This is a conversation with Steve Coops. Steve came to us in a really, really tough spot in his life. He was just going through a breakup. Uh, he was out of shape. He wasn't looking after his health and he just, he just wasn't in a good way at all. And fast forwards the best part of nine months now and Steve is totally different. Like the dude is a f***ing savage. He's been crushing in his career. He's been crushing in his home life. Every single thing has got better and better and better. And I really wanted to get Steve on here because he has a very, very interesting perspective in the development of human beings. And the way that he talks is really, really cool, particularly around things uh, in areas such as confidence, such as esteem, and, such, and just the way that we think and mindset. So if you are somebody who does want to optimize the mindset, does want to perform better, or just, just wants to crush life in general, this interview will be really, really helpful for you. I hope it helps. And we're live, dude. Thanks for coming on. Welcome, man. Love it here. So, Love mate, let's let hard hitting questions straight up the guts. So, yeah. like you've had ups and downs. You've got success in business. You run the Baker's Delight. You've done a heap of cool shit. You're successful in multiple areas within your career, but you've also had the lows. You've had the suicidal thoughts, the anxiety, the depression, all that sort of stuff. First thing I want to touch on, man, is like what are some of the bullshit thoughts and thought patterns that you've had in in, in the past, which have led you to some of the lower circumstances you've been in. Great question. And I think I think it's probably that one of the things, and, and this is something I have in a lot of conversations with men, and one thing that sort of hit home for me early is that I'm unique, but I'm not special. And one of the bullshit stories we tell ourselves is that our problems are completely special. Like there's something wrong with me. Everyone else is normal, but you know, there's something really specifically wrong with me and I'm broken or I just need to sort of knuckle down and I'll get through this. You know, everyone else gets through it. But the reality is, is that while you are unique and while I'm unique, you know, how you got here, your story, everything like that is unique. Your problems are not special. What effect did you thinking your problems were special had on you? Well, it just, it stopped me from reaching out. It stopped me from getting help because like I thought I was the thing that was broken and I was, you know, completely alone in my problems or even worse that I created my problems. You know, they're my fault, so I deserve to live with them. Um, and how long did that mindset, like how long did you have that, that that way of thinking? Probably most of my life, really. Like most of my life, I've, I've you know, we always, we always see things from our perspective. And, you know, until you actually spend time talking with a lot of people, like having real conversations, you realize, you know what? Everybody's broken to some extent. And living with it is a choice. You know, once you realize that there are people out there that can help you, there are there are things you can do. So staying where you are, staying in the pain, staying with the anxiety, you know, coping with drugs, alcohol, women, whatever, that's a choice. And I guess that can be the sort of frightening part about finding out that you're not special or your problems are not special. So Is why do you think we do this? Like, why do you, because thinking that we're special, like, let's, let's be honest, if we really look at it, we're totally frank, it's retarded right it's stupid i've done it you've done it like we all do it we we all go into this like thing is like oh nobody understands me no one gets me like no one's i I remember this fucking hilarious well i was doing pretty well in business when i was like 20 so i was making about 500 grand a year and i thought i was like killing it absolutely smoking i wouldn't take on a mentor because i believed that there was nobody in fitness that was making more money than me which is like insane super Mm -hmm. stupid and so i wouldn't hire a business and therefore my business didn't i wouldn't hire a business mentor therefore my business didn't grow for like two years because i was intellectually tapped out at that stage yeah so why do you think that we call why do you think we sell ourselves on these bullshit 
stories of I'm special, no one can help me when it's the worst thing that we can do for ourselves. To put it like it succinctly, it's ego. And look, ego, ego is not a bad thing. Our ego is there to protect us. You know, ego is there to keep us safe. So what, 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 back a bit. what do you define as ego? So ego is the part of us, you know, that part that, that says you should be something, you should do, you know, you should have this or you should be this. You know, it's that part of our brain. It's that part of that inner voice that is constantly demanding more or even even to the point of demanding less like but it's there it's there to keep us safe it's there to keep us you know as we've evolved everything in our brain is designed to keep us from dying right you know the old saber-toothed tiger thing yeah, it's trying to try to keep us safe ego does the same thing i don't want people to know that i have a deficiency or i'm insufficient somewhere because we're herd animals if people find out how i stuffed up or, you know, the, the mistakes that I've made or, you know, the things that I think in secret, then I'm going to be ostracized. I'm going to be out on my own. And we don't want that. Nobody wants that. So in order to do that, well, let's do the opposite. Let's pretend that we've got it all together. Let's just pretend that, you know, everything's okay so that we're accepted and we're, you know, I fit in society. I'm normal. You know, we all want to be normal, right? And then you find out that normal is actually everybody's messed up in some way. Everybody's got, everybody's taken some damage and it's this ignoring the damage. It's, it's ignoring everything is what keeps us in this place of, you know, walking on, like walking on broken legs. You'll keep doing that until you come to a point where you've got, you've just got to say, you know what, screw everyone else. I want more for myself. I want to feel better. I want to have a better life. I want better relationships. I want to make more money. I want to do all that. But the first step is just coming to terms with your ego and just saying, you know what? I've made some mistakes. It's all bullshit. I need some help. Well, normally it takes us to have a real low before we actually reach out and and get help. And it's very, very few people ever get to the stage of being like crushing it and admitting that they have problems and therefore getting help before they actually hit that rock bottom. It's like why you see with drug addicts all the time. It's like the time where they go get help and they realize they have a problem is when they've already lost their house, their wife's already left and the kids don't talk to them anymore. So for you, what was it that did you have a rock bottom? Like when was your point where you decided to push your ego aside? I've had a few, believe it or not. And not the like, fastest learner, huh? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I am, I am, I tell people all the time, don't, don't ever hold me up as someone who's got it, you know, who did it right. I'm not. I'm a, what do they call it? A, a cautionary tale of woe. And you I'm know, with I've you had, there, brother. Yeah, I've bottomed out a number of times. And uh, I had this conversation just with, with a guy today. And he was telling me, you know, all I, all I need to do is just, you know, eat better and go to the gym and I'll be fine. You know, I just need a little nudge. And what I know is, is that, yeah, that's true. You probably, he probably does need a little bit of nudge. Probably does need some support in his corner right now, but you can, you can come in, you can get a program and you can be going good, you know, three, five, six, seven weeks, then trials will come again. So what you've learned to do is you've learned to pick yourself up. Cool. What you haven't yet learned to do is what happens when those trials come again. So don't take picking yourself up as a victory over the trial because, no, you fell. Victory over the trial means you can pick yourself up and then when that trial comes around again, this time you win. Does that make sense? Yeah. It might, yeah. Because that's, that's kind of like I've, I've had a, I've bottomed out a few times. So, you know, probably about five or six years ago now, uh, I was working really hard in my bakery 
you know, and, and I'd owned it for a number of years. You know, I, I was working like stupid hours, like midnight to midday, sometimes seven days a week. And I almost literally missed my kids growing up because of the hours that I worked. How was that? Well, somebody who came from a broken family and I, you know, I lived my whole life. My mission was just to be a better dad than mine. And I thought I was doing that. What was was your dad like? My dad was terrible. He was a very ordinary dad, absent. Then sort of like he basically missed all my teens, all my formative years, which was like when I feel like is when when a young guy really needs his dad. Like we always need our dads, but like those teen years, dudes really need their dads or a male role model. And so I missed that. And then dad came back into my life sort of like when I just about hit 20, I was in the army and he came back in and he, his life was a mess. Like he con- he contracted HIV because he was sleeping with the wrong people when he was uh, working in Papua New Guinea and mm. uh, had emphysema from smoking his whole life, still had barely a penny to his name and just, yeah, just had done nothing. And I was... I guess I was struggling. Like I, 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 and this is a this is a a bit of a struggle that a lot of a lot of boys growing up have. When you, when you have a terrible dad, they're still your dad. You still love them for some reason. You know, it's still there. You can't you can't make that go away. But I I learned as I matured and I learned more about life and I learned you know what is a good role model, what isn't. I learned that my father was not that. Um, well, what effect did that have on you, man? Like as like growing up and through your teens, your dad not being around. Well, I did everything I could to be the opposite. You know, being a father, having a family was one of the things that I wanted more than anything else. Mm. And we had this discussion the other day, talking about the unconscious mind and how it doesn't process uh, negations. And what that means is like, you know, if I tell you to think of a blue tree or not to think of a blue tree, you have to think of one before you cannot think of one. And so my whole life, I'm a really good example of like, I told myself, don't be like your dad, don't be like your dad. And I was starting to turn out just like him. And Why do you I, um, think that happened that you ended up just like him? Like I know with well, the be, negations, but yeah, sorry, well, go on. Because of, because of that negation, my unconscious mind, our unconscious mind is, a goal, is the goal setter, mm. okay? We can program our unconscious mind to basically drive us in the direction that we really want to go in. Human beings always get what they need, what they feel they need. And this was a super high value for me, but I had set the intention all wrong. And so my conscious mind went out of its way to make my goal reality. And with the negation taken away, my life statement was, I want to be like my father. And it's going pretty deep into some some NLP stuff right now. But like, I was literally self-sabotaging and thought I was on the right track and, uh, you know, turned into everything I didn't want to be. And so, you know, marriage fell apart. My body fell apart. I missed my kids growing up virtually because because I was working so much, thought I was doing the right thing. And I was part of a network, part of a franchise. And there were guys who were doing heaps better than me. And I had people saying to me, I had a lot of support. Like they say, you know, go and reach out to this guy, go and speak to this guy. And I was just like, nah, they don't know my problems. They don't know what my town's like. They don't know what my staff are like. They don't know this, you know. Bullshit. And I went through seven apprentices in 12 months. Really? Because nobody could nobody could do it as good as I could. Funny that. Yeah, right? What a kid. And so, you know, and it wasn't until like this was like this was my first sort of bottom out. So, my, yeah, my marriage broke down and I moved out. And I, w- I remember I was at a caravan park in, in this really, this little donger. Uh, it's called Wallace Caravan Park. And I was sitting in this donger and I remember I was on the bed. So, sorry, what's a donger? 
Donga is like a shipping, almost like a shipping container, so about the size of a shipping container that was turned into a, like a, a one bedroom, self-contained one bedroom thing, tiny, really tiny. And I remember sitting there and that day I, I had my kids on my bed and that was the day I told them that, you know, I wasn't coming home anymore. You know, I wasn't living with them anymore. And it just broke my heart because this was not what I had set out to do. This wasn't what I, you know, but there was nothing left in my marriage anymore. And that night was the night that I came very close to taking my own life. That was one night I did that, yeah. And it took a few months after that of some, you know, support. I had isolated myself completely from everyone. Because of my job, I didn't keep social hours. So I lost all my friends, contact with all my friends. And, you know, my body was like I was about 120, I think it was 120, 125 kilos. Jesus. Um, yeah. And uh, living off mother and iced coffee. You know, just to get me through my through my baking shifts. Here's me thinking, you know, I'm doing everything right, and then I kind of had a wake up call, and it was really really cool. Like I attributed it all to it. I watched one video, one video, and it was a Kerwin Ray video, and it was just a video on owning your, and that everything, absolutely everything in your life, is there because you have either manufactured it or you've allowed it, one or the other. And he called it extreme ownership. And it was then when I sat back and said, you know what, I've got everything that I deserved. But then I had to make a choice. Do I sit in self-pity on that or do I, you know, I can't change the past. You can't go back and change it. I'd love to, but I can change the future. I can affect the future. So I did. So I started taking some steps and I, I did learn about NLP and I, I learned about personal development. I learned that, you know, there were people out there who, were doing it better than me and it was just my ego that was stopping me from reaching out. I invested significant amounts of money even though I couldn't afford it to get close to people who could help. Why did you do that instead of, because you know what most people do when it comes to money, right? We, we have this immense, in our society, we have this immense scarcity a lot of times around money and that we won't go out and spend money that we can't afford, even if potentially, you know, I've been f-ing broke before and I've spent a shitload of money I haven't had. And it was fucking awesome, but very scary at the same time. But so why do you feel that you went ahead and did that as opposed to doing what most of us would normally do and shit ourselves at the thought of that and hold on to the money at all costs? Well, I think, think part of it was like, the realization that I'd spent all my time trying to trying to hold on to money, trying to make money, and I didn't have any anyway. And so, I through all this, I think the one thing that I realized that the the only thing I never put any real value towards, I like I valued my kids, I valued my business, you know, I put all my time and energy into that, but I never put I never really thought about me. I never thought about you know spending or investing money to get the help that I need, and. This is probably where the where I talk about unique but not special. This works, you know, the opposite works as well. I felt like I was so broken and so messed up that only only the best help could help me. So it worked in my favor for once. And I was really lucky just through the through the network of people that I I, I knew that I, you know, I met a guy who taught NLP and taught, you know, very big in personal development. And I went and did an NLP course and it just changed absolutely everything. You know, I changed it changed how I see things. It's changed how I interpret information. It changes, it changed how I have conversations now. It changed how I listen. And my my business, I put on an extra in that 12 months, I put an extra four hundred thousand dollars on my business just simply because 
my staff were working. Everything was working. You know, like, and you know, this was a business lesson for me. You know, I learned how to be a business leader instead of just a technician. So, how much money did you spend? Uh, on- all up, probably. I'm just on personal development. That year was probably about fourteen thousand dollars. And you got four hundred thousand back. Yeah, yeah. Well, Holy that was reve- reve- revenue anyway. Revenue. Revenue. Um, still regardless, yeah, yeah. you grew your business by yeah. four hundred thousand. How much of that would be profit? Uh, so probably would have been maybe about eighty to hundred k in that. Not a lot of money in bakeries, but yeah. But like everything grew. But it wasn't. It was like everything changed. Everything. Like I, I can't. I can't emphasize that enough. Like even, you know, even down to an interaction that I would have at a barista at a coffee shop. You know. They became more meaningful and more real. It was what like about with your kids? Been, yeah, that changed too. Like once I started to see how, you know, how we develop patterns as kids and why do we have why we have bad behaviors and and things like that. And it's helped me see that, you know, when my kids play up, that's not just because they're trying to annoy me. You know, they're not they're not trying to annoy me. They're, they're trying to get something that they think they need. And from there, I can ascertain, you know, well, is that something they actually need or is it just a, you know, a tantrum? Is it just attention that they need? And I've had parents say before, you know, oh, they're just after attention. That's not a reason to not give it to them. It's a reason to explore, you know, why do they want that attention? You know, what's the what's the purpose behind it? And because at the end of the day, like I said, we're all herd animals. We all want to feel like we're, we're part of the herd, that we're safe, that we're protected, that we're valued, that we have some significance, we have something to add. And, you know, these are all, you know, again, like six human needs, that sort of, that sort of stuff. But yeah, this, that's sort of this whole journey had brought me around to just taking, when you take ownership of all your shit, like you take extreme ownership, that's when you can start to affect other people in their ownership as well. You can begin to really reach into the world of other people and help them do the same thing. What I also learned through, you know, a lot of pain and heartache, because after this was all sort of happened, I, I got into another very, very deep, very powerful relationship. And unfortunately, it didn't end too well, you know, a few years later. And this is this is where you, you and I have been in contact. You saw me go through a, a breakup, you know, at the end of last year. And again, I, I bottomed out and... I was doing really well. Like I was doing really, really well, killing it at work and smashing it with my fitness goals, financial goals, you know, and then it all just sort of fell apart and uh, I bottomed out again. Why do you feel it still fell apart even though you were taking extreme ownership or had that changed? Not, a, I'm not 100% sure why. It's still something I'm exploring. But uh, what I, one of the big things that I, that I went through was like I, because of all the, my history and things like that, I've, I have always been a very intuitive person. And during this relationship, there was some less than, there was some deceitful stuff going on. And my intuition, my inner voice was pointing me towards that. And the whole time I thought something was going on, I was being reassured that nothing was wrong and that I was crazy for thinking that. And it sent me crazy. Like, again, I came back to this point where I must be broken. There's something wrong with me because this is my intuition. This is what I'm feeling. And, you know, I'm obviously all wrong because she's assured me that there's nothing going on. Turns out later on, I was 100% right. I was 100% right. Yeah. And and it was a powerful lesson for me that, you know, I, I do need to trust myself. I do need to value myself that just because I've made mistakes in the past doesn't mean I am worthless or that I can, you know, I just need to ignore my own intuition. What a terrible way to live. And, you know, but then... The way I've discovered from, you know, these few times that I've bottomed out 
there's very real steps on how you real rebuild and it all starts with what i what i call personal congruency and what personal congruency is is you know just to put it real simply is that you you walk your talk and when your confidence is out so here's like here's a, a bit of a coaching tip for for anyone taking time to listen if you're struggling with your self-worth and your self-confidence the first place you start is you start making small promises to yourself really small ones like when the alarm goes off at 7am don't hit snooze just get out of bed promise one like that that can be day one promise one cool next day seven o'clock get out of bed make your bed cool two promises kept then get out of bed make your bed you know go have a shave that could be, you know, and it's interesting. So like that's when you, when you keep these promises to yourself, you start to build up confidence where lack of confidence comes is where we dwell on our bad decisions. We make promises to ourselves that we don't keep. We say things like, oh yeah, next Monday, I'll, I'll get off the, I'll get off the beers. This will be the last weekend of beers and beers and bags for me. And then Monday I'm into it. Monday comes around, you don't do it. Oh no, this week I'm, I'll, I'll spend more time with my kids this week. Why do you feel we make those bullshit promises to ourselves? Which we, because let's be honest, the whole I'll quit the beers on Monday, I've just got to finish this case, or I've just got to eat all the bad food in the house before I start eating healthy, right? Because they're all lies and we know it. Why do you feel that we tell ourselves these bullshit lies, which we have no intention of keeping? Well, well, I have a theory. Do you want want to hear my theory? Please. My theory is this my theory is that. Do not have an accurate perspective on time. Now, when I talk with people, when I have calls and stuff like that, here's, there's an analogy that I like to use, a question I like to ask people. And here I go, I'll ask it of you. If, if I was to give you a debit card or credit card or something with all the money you would ever earn, like you can't invest it, you can't like, no, no bullshit like that, all the money you would ever earn in your whole life and I gave it to you, but you never knew the balance and could never know the balance. How would your spending habits change? So you can never make money ever again after that. No, no, it's all there. You're making me think deep. I don't think they would. I don't know. I'm a tight ass already. I don't think they would. And that's okay. That's okay. What I want you to do now is I want you to apply that same principle to time. You have a, a, a certain amount of time left on this big blue ball, but you don't know how much there is. It could be 10 years. It could be... 10 days. However, you're spending it like you've got an inexhaustible amount. So the idea of, you know, why do people keep putting things off is because we live in the under the illusion that there is always a tomorrow. You know, I can put it off till Monday because I have time. But in the case of like with kids, you know, I was I was working my ass off in the bakery telling myself, you know, I'll spend quality I'm doing this so that I can spend quality time with my kids later. How many Maybe. years did you tell yourself that lie for? About seven. Seven years. Yep. Jesus. And I was lucky, very lucky that I was able to sort of like wake up to that and, you know, develop a really good relationship with my kids. And so it was, you know, nothing is unfixable, but however, you know, there are like when it comes to time, you know, your kids can, you only get so, you know, you only get so many sort of years with them as little ones and then they're teenagers and then they're sort of moved up and out and, you know, it, it, it's a massive waste. And it's the same when you keep telling yourself, you know, like, oh yeah, I'll do it Monday. I'll do it this, you know, my body doesn't respond to the way it used to when I was in my twenties, you know, like for me to, for me to, 
you know, attain the body that I that I always wanted. Now I've got to put a lot more work into it than when I was a young fella. You know, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. Like stuff gets a lot more difficult. And so I just tell people, you know, stop spending time like you've got an infinite amount. Get a get a better perspective. And I, I love that analogy. You know, when if you wanted a 20-foot oak tree in your front yard, when was the best time to plant the seed? 20 years ago. When's the next best time? Right now. And so, you know, you can you can keep kidding yourself. You can keep telling yourself, you know, Monday was Monday's a good time to start. You know, Monday never comes. Tomorrow never comes. You know, it just comes to a point where you say, right, enough's enough now. And so, you know, for anyone listening, I guess, you know, I question Tony Robbins asked this and and I ask it of a lot of people, when is when is now a good time to start? I was talking to someone about this just the other day. It was like, you know, Conor McGregor, bit of a f***wit, right? We can all acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. And after he went and beat the shit out of Khabib's team and threw uh, chairs through buses and stuff like that and then got arrested and whatnot, got hauled into Dana White's office, you know, the president of the UFC. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, Dana. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just, I'm just so young still and, and, and just give me time and I'll, I'll grow up. And Dana said, so when is the time that you'll be a grown-up? When? Like, why not now? And ever since then, Connor has been a bit less of a f***wit. I mean, he's still, he's still a f***wit, but yeah. he's not throwing yeah. chairs through buses anymore, right? But the thing yeah. that I don't get about why we do this, because even I've been a massive, uh, I've been a terrible example of this, in that we, in, in the past, used to always push things off over and over and over again. So if if we want to break that cycle, because no doubt somebody listening is going to have this problem, at least one person, right? How do we start to break it? How do we make it so that we don't tell ourselves these bullshit lies over and over again? How do we make it so that we don't push it back to Monday, to next financial year, to next new year, and so on and so forth? Yeah, well, like my whole thing would be was put yourself under unreasonable pressure. For me, it was, you know, it was buying into a, a program that I could barely afford and getting the help that I needed. You know, it was putting putting pressure on me. Like, because we know, you know, we talk about the difference between running towards things and running away from things. Running towards things, you know, although like we're talking, I was, you know, this is something that in my organization I work with, we talk about all the time. We talk about the 100 meter sprints and, you know, there's Usain Bolt and he's at the start line. And, you know, at the end, at the finish line is all the great things, fame, fortune, medals, all that kind of stuff. And when they run, we would like to think that they would give everything they have. Like, couldn't possibly run any faster. Like, dude gave everything. Cool. All right. I would like to pick him up and put him in a jungle and put a hungry lion behind him. There's just a part of me that thinks he'll just find that. He'll find something else. He'll find something extra. And that's the kind of thing I think you need to do. So, you know, if you're the kind of person who, you know, if you can stop bullshit for a little bit if you're the kind of person who has said mondays when i'm starting and you've found yourself you've said that two three four times guess what you're who i'm talking to commit to something get some help get a mentor get something that's going to drive you so that you can't stop put some fire to your feet and run what i really like about what you said is where you put like say almost an unreasonable pressure i think that's what you said i think yeah. those are the words right unreasonable yeah. something which is actually resonate with me because i remember um during covid it was a bit of a stressful time for us like when we were running the business because we thought when it first started out, like, oh, shit, what's this virus? Like me being me back when it first came out, I wasn't terribly phased. I'm like 99.9 repeater percent survival rate. Like it's not going to go anywhere. 
no one's going to care about it because it's just going to go away, right? That was my view because statistics, that's what they said, right? And that's what the data said. I didn't listen to the media because I don't listen to any of it. But then I remember like it going through and the government shutting stuff down bit by bit and seeing the economy, you know, take a bit of a bit of a tough turn and everyone was put onto JobKeeper and whatnot. I remember that being stressful. And I remember in that moment then and there, I decided to spend $100,000 in business coaching in one month, right? It's just Damn. a fair, fair bit awesome. of one, one thing. But yep. It was quite interesting because I made that hundred grand back within a week, right? Yeah. Which was pretty, which was pretty incredible. After doing that, after the, I hadn't been really pushing the business because I was super happy. We got awesome clients. I was just in this content space. But then when I went and when I had that external pressure of COVID put on to me, plus as well, it's forking out a hundred G's, which was the biggest investment at that time in my life. It was insane. But the craziest thing that I found after then, but very similar to you, is. The more that I whack down financially, the more that I come back, uh, that I get in return. But the same thing goes into other things as well. When I invest time in people, the more returns I get. When I put more love and I put more care and I put more into it, more attention in, I get way more back, which I find absolutely f-ing incredible. But now to go into like a bit of a segue and, to, and to, to push this down, this combo down a little bit of a different path, very big segue. You were a pastor, right? Back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. I had to bring it up, man. You're a pastor. Yeah. You're in a very different space to that now. And like one thing that's always intrigued me, and I've never got to ask you this, is like how did you go down for how, – how have you owned a Baker's Delight, been a pastor, done NLP, right, been, been in the army, like done all this sort of stuff? Like how does, how does being a pastor fit into all of that? Yeah, well, I think like if we break up our, our existence into, into different parts, you know, I guess – there's different things you want to want to pursue. Now, I've always been like a spiritually inquisitive person. Like I've always wanted to know about the immeasurable parts of myself and, and others. And so, you know, like being, I, I actually sort of became more aware of the church and spirituality when I was in the army. And, you know, the army was a, was a time where I was a young bloke and I was thrust into, you know, a highly structured way of living. And that was really good for me. And I really enjoyed it and, I, and I, I liked it there. But it was also, it also, you know, the, the concept of fighting and killing and, you know, all that kind of stuff was really thrust into my awareness. And I wanted to know a little bit more about what, you know, what happens when you die? You know, what's what's going on? You know, what are what are feelings about? What are what are thoughts? What are premonitions? You know, why do I get chills on my spine when this happens? You know, I, I was always been curious curious about this stuff. And then, you know, I guess I started a I started a journey in church, and it answered a lot of questions for me. And so I followed that you, path. You know, what questions did it answer for you? Like, what did you get out of it? Um, like, so for me, you know, like I wanted to know if there was an afterlife, you know, is there, you know, is this intuition that I have this feeling that there's something more? What is it? And going into church, these guys put labels on everything for me. And it it was awesome. Like I understood things for a little while. I understood, yes, there is a higher power. Yeah, there is a purpose. And I'm like, yep. So all of the things that I intuitively feel are things that I guess, you know, these guys have labels for them. I like that. And so I like in everything that I've ever done. I throw myself headfirst into it and I learn as much about it as I can. Uh, it's just been been how I am. I've since learned that I was um, diagnosed as uh, as having OCD. And, you know, for some people, they see that as a disability. I see it as a performance upgrade. It means, you know, I can laser focus on things and, you know, nail it down. And so, yes, yeah, so I, I moved into being a pastor and sort of 
one of the things that that's always been close to close to my heart is helping other people. It's just been how I'm wired. I want to be of service. I want to make sure, and that's you know, it's one of my core needs. I want to make sure that what I do makes a difference. So yeah, so I got involved in the church and you know did my study and did a lot of study. I did you know all up probably about you know, six or seven years worth of study, and so yeah, but it. As I as I sort of grew and mature, and I had some had some bad experiences in the church, like nothing nothing super super inappropriate or anything. Yeah, like that. I don't know where that was going. Yeah, yeah no, no, nothing. nothing <laughs> like what that. happened? But on, on a serious note, like what happened okay. to to lead you to not be a pastor anymore? So I, I got involved in like the the upper upper echelons of the church, and I was sort of I guess being groomed to take over a church. And the further I got into it, I started seeing my heroes fall. All the people that I looked up to all were got caught up in some sort of, you know, immoral misconduct, all that kind of stuff. And then my my senior pastor just went AWOL, like he was there, but he wasn't. And the church just kind of turned in on itself and got very controlling, very manipulative. And that's um, what interesting because that goes against all of the Bibles or God's teachings, right? Why did it go that way? 100% 100% because like that's the difference between and you know like I guess why I don't people ask me all the time you know are you still religious and I'm like no not at all like because what I took away from you know the values of love and grace and mercy and understanding all of those kind of things those were the things that I pursued those are the things that I feel are important but then you know why why does it change people ego gets involved again you know, people get involved and they want to try and force other people to behave properly. They want every, everything, you know, all the ducks in a row because mess and chaos isn't, isn't easy to manage. And so people, even with good intentions, you know, they set out to control chaos. But here's the, here's the secret that I've learned. Life is chaos. You know, life is, life is a mess and it's okay. Every yeah. single atom is constantly vibrating and moving every single yeah. second of the day. If you try and put a confined structure around anything, it sucks. I mean, that's why I'm such a big fan of Taoism and the, the philosophy of flow and being like, what? Well, and just going with the flow in general in life, because as soon as we try and put these rigid structures around certain things, stuff goes to sh. I mean, you've only got to look at communism. Right to 100%. go see this, the communism and like major religions and things like that. Yep. You see how like these beautiful ideas of you know uh, you know, pushing the teachings of God. Because let's be honest, whether you're religious or not, the some of the ideas behind the Bible are pretty good. Like don't kill people, right? don't yep. be an asshole, don't steal. Like it's pretty good life advice, it's right? Pretty basic, yeah. Pretty basic. You know what I mean? You live yep. by that, you're generally going to be pretty sweet. Same with communism, yeah. and it's like oh, everyone should be equal. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds pretty cool. We all yeah. get treated well. We all that. But then in reality, it's f-ing completely different. I mean, you just got to look at the Catholic Church and a lot of things. No offense if you're Catholic, but you got to look yeah. at like how that old schmozzle's going. And then you go through and you look at like how China is, or you go look at Venezuela or any of those countries where, which are affected by it. As soon as we start to control people and even look at what's happening here in Australia, the way that we're trying to control one another and we're trying to tell each other, you can do this, you got to wear a mask, you can't wear a mask, you got to get vaccinated. No, fuck you, I'm not going to like we tell everyone how yeah. it's going to go. Things yep. go to sh- really, really f-ing quickly. Why do you yeah. think we don't learn? That's a massive question. I don't. I don't know. Like, um, well, I, would, I, would, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to have. Like, what I what I know is is that you've got to allow people the opportunity to experience their knowledge. You've got to let people walk their path. 
you've got to let them walk it out. You can't, you can't learn for them. And by forcing people to just to have your set of values and your set of your set of knowledge without letting them get to an understanding of it, it's going to create cognitive dissonance. And that's what happened with me in the church. Here's these things that I that I really treasured and I valued. Like honestly, man, grace is one of the biggest things that I love more than anything else. Like what the, do you define the concept as grace? of grace? Like in a like I guess in a in a theological sense, grace is you know forgiveness. And like, if you were to take it out of the context of, you know, biblical stuff, like grace is cutting yourself some slack. Grace is, you know, yeah, you're going to f*** up, but that doesn't mean the end. It's not a death sentence. Grace is is looking at somebody going through hard times and instead of judging them for their mistakes, having some empathy for like, you know, fuck, what made them choose that in the first place? You know, and instead of judging them, like saying, hey, well, I don't know how you got here, but I can show you the way out. Would that be cool? And that's-, that's so counter to what we're taught, man. Like even with one of my guys just earlier today is one of one of the favorite clients that I've ever worked with. Like this dude is just a genuine gentleman, super smart, made a shitload of money, runs an investment bank, like really, really awesome dude. And we're talking about setting up boundaries and whatnot and how he should argue a bit more and be more confident within conflict. And he said, but what if I'm wrong? I'm like, brother, you're going to be f***ing wrong. Like, I mean, you're not Jesus, dude. Like, <laughs> yep. you, you're going to f*** up in life and it's going to be normal. Yep. But it's like we're always taught that we can't be wrong from a very, very young age. We must yeah. be perfect. This is how we must act. If not, you're a bad person. How do you break that? So the way the way it broke in me was uh, like, so we'll talk a little bit about NLP. And one of the presuppositions of NLP is that there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And... Like I, I'm, I swear I need to get that tattooed somewhere. Like it's been a tenant in my life now. And it's there, bro. Forehead, it, you got yeah. plenty of real estate. <laughs> yeah, thanks, bro. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about getting bangs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Soap's got a banging pair of bangs at the yeah, moment. You can I, give me some advice. Are you? I'm thinking about it. Bangs, man. I think I would. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there. Like, yeah. Do it, please. But like, the no, there's no failure. Only feedback to me was like the NLP version of of grace. You know, and it's understanding like. You know, the only time you actually fail is when you give up. Every other time, all that's happened is you've had a learning experience of how not to do it. Awesome. What a great way to learn. And, you know, and let's be let's be completely honest. If everything went super well for you 100% of the time, like you never f***ed anything up, your existence would be shit. It would be boring Life as hell. It would be so f***ing boring. Can you imagine if yep. everything was easy? Yeah. Have you, have you ever been, you know, I, I don't know about you, but like I, I go through phases sometimes like, Go, when I used to, you know, play a lot of computer games and stuff, you know, going on God mode, you know, you go in there and you can't die and, you know, like you go in, you can just blow everything up and nothing can hurt you. You do that for a while. It's, you know, yeah, that's fun. But then you're like, you know what, this just isn't challenging. And as human beings, we like life is about the experience. It's about growing. It's about the journey. And yeah, like you, you turned me on to Taoism, you know, like a, a few months ago, and it's been something I've been been looking really into, and it's been a, like affected my my life and my decision making process ever since. And That's so, um, well, I've learned to say yes to a lot more things. I've learned to, you know, if the op- if the opportunity comes along, it's instead of sitting there in fear of like, you know, oh, can I do this? You know, you know the usual bullshit. Oh, what if I'm what if I'm not good enough? What if I, you know, if the opportunity is there, my belief is is that you know, you've manifested that opportunity and yeah, you can do it. That, you know, you 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 can't, and this, this sort of comes down to a little bit of a quantum physics thing. It's like everything you see is a projection. 
Okay, like so your your eyeballs don't actually see. Your eyeballs send information to your brain. Your brain then puts all this information together and puts it up on a screen in your head. And that's what you see. And so that's why, you know, so many people can see, can look at the same setting, but see so many totally different things. Mm. And so if you can't imagine it, you can't project it. And so if something comes up in your life that is, you know, like a really huge opportunity and you're sitting there and you're scared, you know, oh, what if I can't, what if I can't, you know, if you couldn't project it in the first place, it wouldn't be there. And so like, you know, that's probably going a bit deeper than what I, what I expected to on this conversation, but it's balls um, day, brother. Saying, this is for. <laughs> so saying, saying yes to things is something, you know, cause I've always been a cautious person. I've always been more on the, you know, let me sit back and analyze everything first. Whereas now I'm more like, yeah, if life's flowing this way, then get on it. Learning more about flow, not swimming across or upstream. I used to be very much the same as you, very, very cautious. And the moment I started saying, ah, oh, it, I'll just do it way more, yep. life got so much more cool. And the moment I, st- I stopped trying to control everything, every single minute, like I used to be like super controlling and like have my life exactly how I wanted it. Yep. But the moment I got way more into flow, the actually key things to me were going more into flow. And by flow, I mean just taking like effortless paths. And by effortless path, I don't necessarily mean the easy thing. I mean the thing which is most in alignment with my values and my summit and the things that are like truly important to me in life. When I started following that more and more and more and more and more, things just got way, way easier. And it led me to the point where like we're having this conversation right now, like going and doing this and and setting up what we're doing with JCF now and getting you on board with us and all that sort of stuff. It all just keeps getting easier and easier, uh, not in the way where I, sorry, more and more effortless, not in the way where it's actually like easy. You know, I could just be sitting on my ass in, in cash and dole checks if I really want to. That'd be easy. But in the long run, it'd be really, really f-ing painful. Whereas right now it feels absolutely effortless going totally in line with my values and, and with my summer. Yeah. yeah, it's alignment. Like it, it's flow in the same direction as purpose. But like, you know, if you ever want to give yourself an early heart attack, like if you want to stay angry, try controlling everything. Guaranteed. Here's a prescription. Like if you want to be an angry, unfulfilled mongrel of a person, try to control everything. Well, so how do you stop? Because like I know for me, man, like I had an unusual way of stopping that. Like I was shown DMT and tried that and had a go of that. And then that was like a big bang, like just twisted my head and maybe looking like, James, you're really f***ing this whole thing, this life thing up right now. And I was, but that's not conventional, not exactly advice that we can prescribe, right? <laughs> you know, yep. not something you yeah. should do. So what would you, like, how would you suggest that we go and we change this so that we can actually give up control? Because the other thing too, man, like when, we're, when we are controlling, it's because we're anxious. We're anxious mm-hmm. and we think that things, everything's going to fucking break around us. How do yep. we give up control without everything breaking around us and falling in one heap? And so this was this was something that I had to be walked through. Like this is, I, I want to make sure everyone understands that this isn't something I just discovered and I just gurued my way through it. For me, it was a, a gradual letting go of things. And the way it, the way I did it was like that that need to keep everything in control is the need again comes back to our evolution it comes back to wanting to feel safe i want tomorrow to be predictable because that way i can know what i need to do today it's the same when people are contemplating 
buying into coaching programs and things like that. You know, they want it to be predictable. They say, you know, well, what, what's the guaranteed result? And I'm like, well, you know, there are no guarantees, you know, but I can guarantee you that you've don't, if you do nothing, you'll be lucky to be where you are in six months if you haven't gone backwards. But the question that I, I ended up asking, you know, or well, someone asked of me, he said, hey, Steve, if everything broke, how bad would that actually be? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, okay, well, let's just say, let's just say you lost the bakery. How bad would that be? What would happen? And so I explored it. I'm like, well, I probably have to declare bankruptcy. He's like, cool. So you go on the bankrupt list for five years, right? How bad is that? You can't get a loan or anything like that, you know, but you could go out and get another job. You know, you're pretty smart. You still got your skills. You still got your family. You know, how bad is it? You go into bankruptcy. And I said, oh, well, I guess it's not that bad. You know, I still got what's important to me. I still got my kids. I've got my body. I've got a brain, I can still do things. And so learning that it's not as bad as I think it's going to be was a huge part. And now whenever I start to get anxious or anxiety, you know, get that anxiety or I want to start to control things again, I ask myself, well, what happens if I let this go? If I just let it go and I focus on the one thing that I really can control, what's the worst that could happen? I still stay me. I still stay happy. And sure, you know, that might like, Really, really, really good example. When I went through my my previous breakup, like my last one, and like you saw how how it affected me and me trying to hold on to that, trying to fix it. Not at this point in time, I didn't know what what had gone on behind my back, that kind of stuff. But I was trying so hard to find the path back to reconciling our relationship, and I was trying to hold on, trying to fix everything. Because you know us as men, we're fixers, and it wasn't until I had a I had my I had a meeting with Christian, and it, I remember it was at Easter time, and I was I just remembered being so sad at Easter because I, I didn't have my kids with me, and I'd broken up with this girl, and I said to Christian, I said, dude, I just didn't imagine that I would be back at this spot again, at this time in my life. I thought I would have had it all together, and it hurts. It, it feels like I'm on fire. And Christian's advice to me was stop trying to put it out, man. He said, just let it burn. Just let it burn and then rise like a f-ing phoenix from the ashes. And so I did. And I remember that night, I just let all the feelings in. I let all the anger, all the hurt, all the sadness, everything I was trying to keep at bay, I just let it come in and let it consume me. What was that like? And bringing. I didn't realize how much energy went towards trying to keep all these things at bay how much mental bandwidth I was using up. And in hindsight now, I wish I'd done that sooner, but that's a shitty thing to do to yourself. Hindsight's a shitty thing to do to yourself. Give yourself some grace. You were doing, like I was doing everything I could with the resources that I had. At that point in time, I wasn't aware of, you know, that this person really wasn't worth fighting for. Didn't want it. Wasn't the person I thought she was. And, you know, I didn't have that resource at the time. So I was doing the best with the resources I had. But then when I let it go, I let it burn. And then, you know, I, st- I crawled out of those ashes. I didn't fly out. There was, no, there was no big fucking bright moment. I crawled out. I crawled out. And there was then, you know, I started, I started looking. I started reading on Taoism. Started, started looking at flow. Started looking at, you know, how do I just let things, let things go and I just go with it. And we had the man weekend 
And as much as I love, I love you and I love, you know, everything we did there, the most impacting thing for me was the work we did with Michael was, you know, and his philosophy around, you know, stop labeling moments as good and bad. It just is. And this is that I knew. I knew this, like I knew it up here. I just hadn't, it hadn't made its way here yet. And I think it's that journey. Like I was talking about, like sometimes, you know, information needs to be lived. You need to have a go on it. Does that make sense? Like, you know, you can, like, you, you can't read about push-ups, man. If you, you can read about someone doing push-ups, but until you've done your own, you don't know jack shit about push-ups. All you know is that somebody else knows how to do push-ups. And I had acquired a lot of knowledge, but I hadn't applied it all, hadn't put it into practice. So I acquired a really, a really tricky list of things that I hadn't actually done myself. And so understanding, you know, taking off the labels of good and bad, and there just is, that there's been some very label bad things that have happened to me that have been so quintessential to my growth and development that I simply could not survive without them. But if you were to ask me, do you want to go through that before it happened? I would say, no, that's that's bad. When in actual fact, it was one of the things that actually built me. I totally vibe with that, man. Pretty much when I was going through my sh- phases of being anxious, depressed, bipolar, the whole lot, IBS, everything has literally made me who I am right now. 100%. Yep. And that's, that's just it. You know, like it's stop putting these, you know, like everything I would say, I say to people, just like your body reflects perfectly the results of your eating and exercise habits. Nobody's, nobody's getting shafted here. The results you have are perfect for the strategies you're running in everything. Totally. Perfect. No one's getting no one's getting gypped. No one's getting robbed. Everything in your life is there because you either allowed it or manufactured it. And even though it may not be your fault, it definitely is your responsibility. So if there's, so I know that there's going to be a number of fellows who vibe with this because obviously I know all the guys who want to work with this. Would it be okay if we put up a booking link so they can book in and have a chat with you somewhere on this? Hundred percent. Yeah, like that's like, and I want to implore guys. You know, like if you if you're struggling with your anxiety your self-worth and that kind of stuff you're not going to find any judgment over here in fact you know like if you want to compete with me we'll compete over who's <laughs> up the most like, <laughs> let's, do, let's get on that but yeah no look i've dedicated myself to to helping men like to helping people i want to i want to see i want to see people understand more about themselves and understand their journey and embrace more of it and you know learn to live a life that is enjoyable you know, you don't have to, you don't have to kill yourself just to exist. And so, yeah, totally book in, come and come and have a chat and let's see if we can help clear some of the fog. And I don't, I don't profess to be a guru or anything like that. I just, I'm just a dude who's been through it, got through it, but I, I had help, a lot of help. I have some really awesome people around me and I use them. And I guarantee you, if you look in the right directions, you'll find awesome people that will help you as well. But I also know you won't be able to do it on yourself on your own. No one can. Um, no, you can't. To that, we're herd. We're herd animals for a reason. Exactly, and we're not special. Yeah. yeah. Unique, but not special. Yeah. I love that, man, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been really cool. Very welcome, man. And um, just thanks again for all your help, and you know, all the guys, all the crew at JCF. Like, yeah, life changing, life changing. My pleasure, man. You're who we do it for. Yeah. Love you, dude. I'll speak to you soon. You too, brother. Touch around. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, 
Click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.